0: Welcome to the Did You Know podcast, where the focus is on rare diseases, how modern medicine is treating these conditions, including the latest breakthroughs in research, and how people cope with their diagnosis and healing. Your host is Dana Morrow, known for her video series on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook called Did You Know Ataxia Facts? 300 videos have been produced and seen in 17 countries to date. And now, your host, Dana Morrow.
1: Hi, Noataxia Nation. I'm here at the 62nd Annual Ataxia Conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'm very excited to introduce Gil Latalian, Is that how you say it? You got it. Okay. Yeah. And Melissa Beiner. They're both from Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. And I invited them here to tell you some exciting news that's going on in, in the pharmaceutical industry with Biohaven. So welcome to Thank both you. of you. Thanks, Thank you for joining me. Thanks for me.
2: having us. It's fun to be back here good again. It's here. fun to be back, right? And it's good <laughs> She's to be a veteran
1: here. At this She's time. a veteran and you're new, but we're yeah. we're welcoming you with open arms. We're sure. glad that you could join us today. So um, I understand that there's some movement happening in bio at Biohaven with these pharmaceutical trials, two in particular, and I was hoping that you could both speak about that.
2: Sure. sure. That would be great. So um, we spoke a little bit at our, at our last podcast about our first study of our study drug, Trobrileazole, in patients with SCA. Yep. And um, that patient, that study was a short-term study that we did and it was actually the first registrational trial of a drug in SCA patients in this country ever. So Biohaven sort of pioneered that study. Which is fabulous. Which was fantastic, yes. And when we designed the study We had an eight-week phase where we had patients on drug and placebo, and then we opened it up for a year for patients to all be on trorilazole. So initially, we didn't hit our end mark at the end of our randomization phase to show that the drug had benefit over placebo. But what we realized when we looked back through the data was really that what happened was our study design was a little bit too short-term for this patient population. And looking at the natural history studies, we realize that the way patients evolve over the course of a year, the way their disease progresses, we really do need to look at it for a longer term. So we are now starting up another study with trorillazole and SCA patients that will last for an entire year. And we've already screened seven patients for the study. We started it up this month. There's going to be about 230 patients enrolled in the study. Okay. All the information about it is on the clinicaltrials.gov website. And uh, we'll have about 22 sites across the country, everywhere from New York, Florida, California. There's a site pretty much touching every corner of the state.
1: Now, if somebody wanted to, is hearing this, and they want to get involved in that particular study, what would be their next steps? What would they? do? Bring this information to their neurologist and ask to be involved? Or how would they get involved? Yeah.
2: So I think that the great thing would be for them to look on the clinicaltrials.gov site. Okay. Look up our trial. It's a clinical trial of trorilazole in SCA patients. And we have some of our inclusion criteria there. So the study's going to include patients with SCA types 1, 2, 3, 6, 7, 8, and 10. Okay. And... The sites, as they get up and running, will be listed on the website as well. that they can bring that information to their doctor, and their doctor can put them in contact with a site. There's also a way to contact us at Biohaven. So we receive, actually, emails from patients across the country all the time saying, for example, oh, I live in Boston, and where would I find more information about this study to see if I meet eligibility criteria? And then we can send them information for say, Dr. Jeremy Schmaman, who was our first site up and running, who's already screened the seven patients, we can say, look, this site is the closest to you. It's right in Boston. Okay. That's yeah. great.
1: So you can direct them to the mm-hmm. exact site that they need to go to.
2: Yes, exactly. And <clears throat> Something that you mentioned that
1: I th- want to just touch on for a minute is you mentioned the natural history study and how you had gathered data from that. Mm-hmm. And by that data, you realized that your study was too short. And so one of the things that... Um, is important is that people be involved in these natural history studies and this is a perfect example yeah. of why it's so important.
2: Yes, it is so important because when we design clinical trials, we, lo- we really have to have a deep understanding of the natural history of the disease. In other words, how patients symptoms progress over time and how they differ between the different subtypes within a certain disorder. Yeah. So that really informs clinical trials and it was really helpful to us because moving forward with this trial when we got to the end of our total study we had a lot of doctors across the country who were involved in our study calling us and saying listen our patients are coming off this medication and they feel like they're progressing now is there any way we can extend this and it's not an FDA approved medication that's pretty tricky to do what we did was we extended for another year with that patient population but we decided we need to look into it a little more deeply. And we have natural history data from the first US study that was done over the course of a year and that kind of led us to the idea that in general, and there's been some studies in Europe too to confirm this, on a certain scale that doctors use to rate ataxia called the SARA, the scale for the assessment and rating of ataxia, on average patients progress about a point, a point being a, a little worsening of their disorder over okay. the course of a year, naturally. We were able to kind of take that data, and even though it was an, an official control arm to our study, because they weren't matched perfectly, obviously, we matched them as well as we could statistically. I'll let Gil speak so to that yeah, a little maybe. more. And we really found that what that data showed, it gave us very encouraging results to see uh, that really these patients may potentially have had slowing of the progression of their disorder because the patients in our study had a little bit of an improvement on the SARA as opposed to that one point decline in all that gill decay. Yeah, so, okay.
0: so, so we had two pieces of information that were helpful. We had this extension data, this 48 weeks of, of patients being treated with troriliazole. And we also had, as, as Melissa mentions, the natural history mm-hmm. data from the US, US data from Dr. Ajazawa. And that gave us the opportunity, as Melissa said, to really look at, compare what's going on with the patients that are being followed in this extension study that are being treated to patients who are not treated. That's the natural history, the mm-hmm. natural decline in the disease. It's kind of apples and oranges until you put together some of the statistics, until you do it the right way. Yep. And the, w- the way I can best say it is we we pulled patients from the natural history population with Dr. Azizawa's study that were similar to the patients in our trial so it's kind of making them equal to each other so that the changes that you see in one and you can compare to the changes that you see in the other and if you see a difference it might have something to do with the treatment and so what was really exciting about that work was as Melissa mentioned um, a lot of these patients they weren't getting necessarily better they weren't getting worse they were stable basically in their disease but when you look at the natural history data they were getting worse they were declining so you compare the two statistically and you get a pretty big difference between the two so that was very exciting for us because it gave us optimism around the design of the new study the enhanced study which Melissa will talk about further and um, it also suggested that the difference that we were going to see with treatment could be you know something that uh, is meaningful to patients and also meaning to, meaningful to the regulatory bodies like the FDA. So Melissa presented some of that data today. The the, the goal right now is to really disseminate that information, let the neuro- neurological community you know become aware of it, and also just leverage those lessons learned uh, to to help inform the design of this study. The other good piece of this, and it's it's a good it's a good component for for. Uh, I was talking to Rob about this earlier, uh, Rob Berman, who's our chief medical officer. You know, when patients enroll in a study, you know, there's a hope of benefiting from the treatment, but they also want to contribute to the science, to the knowledge base. And so what, we're, what the really good thing that we're doing with this long-term study is that information is being used to help better design the second study. And it's also information that's going to be useful to practitioners, to clinicians because we can look at, you know, as Melissa and SCA genotypes, et cetera. So it's kind of a win-win. So when patients agree to enroll in these types of studies, they can help themselves, but they can also help their fellow patients, which yeah. I think is phenomenal.
1: You know, no, it is. Yeah. It's really fabulous. Yeah. Now, do you get any, um, do you ever tap cords, the cords registry for any participants? Or do you normally just have people contact you or
2: either via directly or via their neurologist we are being contacted now through by patients through the cords registry yes so that's another increasing awareness yeah yeah it's not an important thing to be involved in
1: if you want to participate in this as a patient it's just getting on a natural history study and also being part of cords registry yeah
2: and for patients out there with SCA you know you've seen this Dana right at this conference now Compared to where we were two years ago, mm-hmm. you know, Biohaven feels incredibly proud to be a part of the fact that we did do the first registrational trial in SCA in this country, and look look at how the last two years have unfolded. Yep. We now have so many studies out for biomarkers, imaging studies to track the course of the disease. We have more awareness within the community than we've ever had, I think, right? right? right. We have more awareness about who to contact with ataxia specialists across right. the country, It's a really exploding field right now, and I think patients should be really excited about that because there's all this attention now to the patient voice and helping get patient-focused drug development groups going so that patients and advocacy groups can actually have a say in the drug development process. You know, Patients tell us, this is what the most meaningful change that we have in our disease is. This is the symptom that's the most bothersome. This is the thing that interferes the most with how I interact in my daily life all of that information we can hone in on and gather and we can incorporate that into endpoints that we use or assessments that we use to measure the benefit of a treatment right because yeah. if
0: you
1: don't you need the you need people to tell you those things yes. otherwise right. they're not known so well, the
0: FDA you know was that's that's been you know as Melissa said the voice of the patient has been important but you have to be able to find a way to take that voice and put it into something scientific really that can be measured. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've, we've attempted to do. We've really listened to what, what's important to patients. It's called you know, really uh, concepts that are relevant to patients. And we've listened to what the FDA has said, the regulator has said, and come up with a design and a, a change to the, to the SARA that really, that really addresses that, that need. Yeah. And so it's really trying to make it more what we call functional, really what patients can do on a daily basis. So we're excited about that and we think that's a contribution even beyond this specific trial to perhaps other trials that other companies could do. Right. Yeah. Because that
1: data is, is vital, it's critical, and it doesn't go away. You right. collect it and you just keep adding to it. So right. it's going to show themes or you know, lead you somewhere down the line, right? You just need to get a certain amount of it in order to start seeing things, just like you need to have the trial go on for a certain period of time to start seeing
2: differences. That's right. right. That's right. And these studies and these patient-focused drug development groups, as soon as one thing happens, it's a catalyst for another. Mm -hmm. So we had that small patient-focused group that came out of one of our last NAF meetings, and now Dr. Schmomman at Mass General, which I know we've talked a lot about this even at our last podcast, He's doing his PROMETAXIA, which is right. a patient-reported yes. outcome measure that Gil and I are doing a collaborative validation on with him at MGH, and, and that's a scale that really holds the voice of the patient and it what's does. important to them in their disorder. Yeah, yep. it We're it looking yeah. at his
0: scale. We're looking at a number of other scales, like the SARA, like uh, FARS is another one that also measures patient's function, patient's activities of daily living. We're comparing the two in a scientific way. Um, to see if we can make them better, more valid. And, you know, the other piece of this too is, you know, you've heard a lot of talk about biomarkers and genetics, and this information will help the companies that are developing those drugs as well because they have to do something called translational medicine. You've got a change in a biomarker, like a protein goes down or a protein goes up with treatment, and you can measure that. But what does it mean, again, in terms of patient function, in terms of, what you know, what's a benefit to patients? And the, the work that we're doing, we feel, can help to make that link as well. So yeah. it has applications beyond, yep. Yeah.
1: No, that's fabulous because um, I think a lot of times when you're a patient, you're participating in a study, you only see that one aspect of it. You right. don't realize how that feeds into the bigger picture, right. right? And so I think that the more we can make the patient community aware of that bigger picture and how all of these things connect, It's really just, it'll be vital to getting their participation in a lot of this stuff, you know, because they have blinders on right now, and it's not their fault. It's just they're not aware of all this other stuff that's going on.
0: i got to add one of the things for me, you know, Melissa's an M.D. She's she's treated patients. I'm a Ph.D., so I I haven't had as much patient contact, but, you know, some of the, when we went to visit uh, Jeremy and, and he was evaluating patients, You know, I got to talk to people, and one gentleman, you know, he said what he did, you know, Dr. Schmaman asked him what he does, and he says, I volunteer in a, you know, in a homeless shelter. And another lady was helping to train some of the assist dogs, the Great Danes, to help people to stand. And so it was really inspiring for me to see people, you know, that are having a tough time but still are willing to give back and are just showing their humanity. There was a third lady who said she... Baby sits for her grandkids, two and four years old. And I said to her, I do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, Man, it's, it's a tough job. We uh, so really job. admire you for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know inspiring. what it is
2: about this set of disorders. Yeah. So we talk about it all the time, and I know you see this too, but it, it's just that yeah. they are such a stoic, yep. spirited, charismatic group of people yeah. that what came first, I don't know. Right, right. Did the disorder bring it out in them, or right. does there, yeah. does is there something about this disorder? Right. But, yeah, it's an amazing group of people, and we see that all the time. Well, you know, even just hearing this this speech H-S-P. yesterday from the young girl Cameron, oh, Cameron. which is so mm-hmm. beautiful. But what an extraordinary, extraordinary woman! Yes,
1: she yeah. is. She really is. I had the opportunity to speak to her last night, and I actually invited her to do a podcast with us. Oh, that's. Great. Because we want to get her message out because she is extraordinary. And she actually is 19 and she's in college. And I said to her, are you physically going to college or are you virtually going to college? And Uh she said, no, I'm physically going. And I said, good for you. I said, Uh you keep at that. And you have an opportunity to touch so many people and educate them just by being at school you know, because right. people are going to be curious about what's going on and
2: you can share and, and make a difference in that way. Yeah. And you know? that's why these podcasts are so important too, because I think increasing awareness overall, a lot of people don't know what ataxia is, right? right? And they right. don't know that ataxia is a really broad umbrella for a lot of different disorders.
1: Right. And I think the other thing that they don't realize, which you guys have brought a little bit of light to today is the fact that you know, I have SCA-1, so I'm primarily going to focus on everything to do with SCA-1. What I don't understand, and the message I would like to get out, is that someone can be- What? Uh, let me say it this way, what's being done for SCA-1 can benefit Someone with another type of SCA Absolutely. down Absolutely. the road, and Absolutely. to just understand that that is possible because they are related.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The way I look at it, in some ways, as an epidemiologist, is you know really it's it's the the rate of disease progression can vary based on the genotype, but yes. it's still at base is kind of the same disease. So yeah. Yep,
1: yep, yeah. Yep. Um, we just interviewed Kyle Bryant um, prior to having you guys mm-hmm. on, and he has FA. Yeah. And I learned a lot about F.A. being a, um, you know, it, it primarily is resulting from the mitochondria, and it's an energy-deficient disease, which so is ataxia. Yeah. So, you know, he has a form of ataxia, but what he's experiencing is evident in the other forms of ataxia as well, right. but we just name them differently. So
0: what's cool about that is... In our study, uh, and we've been working with Dr. Subramoni, this one of the secondary endpoint is the, the Frederick's ataxia Rating Scale, mm-hmm. the functional part and the activities of daily living. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. There's lessons learned there, and absolutely. you know we're using that instrument to learn more about SCA patients. Yeah. So it's really kind of a win-win.
1: It is, yeah. and you know, the more you know, the more you realize some of those connected pieces right so that's my goal is trying to just share that information with the general ataxia public so that they can start seeing that everything that's being worked on has a benefit for everyone it just may not be immediately right yeah right so. Yeah, it's an exciting time for this field. Yes. It really is. It's like I feel like we're on the cutting edge with some of this stuff. Sure, and yes, yeah. We are.
0: Meeting patients, I think it's just it's incredibly motivational for us. Yep. You know, we drive each other to get this stuff done and yep. uh, it's been it's been really a good collaboration for us and also our other colleagues at Biohaven are working extremely hard yep. to find a solution. So it's 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 inspiring. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I have the utmost respect for you guys because it's like You know, um, you're just drilling and drilling and drilling, trying to find something that works. And it's awesome because I think that the layperson might not understand that. You know, it's not just about science. It's about helping people. That's
0: right. I mean, there was a, um, he was a physicist, Dr. Feynman, who said, nature does not give up her secrets easily. And that's Mm -hmm. why it takes a lot of work. Yeah. To, to to you know to really increase our knowledge and find out about uh, treatments that can benefit patients. So I like that. It's hard work. Yep. It yeah,
2: is, I and like and that. you know we've seen too that just because you have a negative trial doesn't you mean you have a failed a trial. Great deal.
1: That's right. Yep. Right. Yep. Every. So it's a lesson yep. learned. Yep. Absolutely,
2: and yep. every little advance that you make opens up a number of avenues
1: yeah yeah no it's fabulous um, I'm so happy that you guys were able to spend some time with me today and Thank you these anytime. It's our exciting pleasure. is there anything in you know before we leave our talk today is there anything that you want to express to maybe the our audience members that are watching today
2: you know just that these patients really are patients with ataxia are a huge inspiration to us and we remember every step of the way that they are the reason that we're here. Yeah. And that every time they participate in the natural history studies, in patient-focused drug development, in clinical trials, every little step gets us one step closer yeah. to understanding yeah. more and more about the disease That's, and to advancing the cause for ataxia patients overall. And that they really are an inspiration to us.
0: That's and, nice to hear. And I would just add to that, similarly, to say to the patients you know, you we have the utmost respect and admiration for what you're going through and you know we're just we're dedicated to try to do something to make things better but the way you lead your lives the way you you know really uh, deal with this condition is you know it's a power of example for all of us so we're just happy to have this opportunity to help absolutely
1: save. yeah they and fighters
2: Absolutely, and as, as you know, Dana, I just recently lost a very, very close friend to yes, multiple system atrophy. Yes, I know. I'm so sorry to hear that. The most courageous, incredible man I know, and I'm really happy to say that Biohaven has, in our pipeline coming up very shortly, a clinical trial in multiple system atrophy. Oh, that's
1: awesome. So, we'll have yeah. to talk and about that. And you them. have a personal, you know, a personal tie to that. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Very close tie to that. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on so that you can tell us more about that study. Great. I thought
0: yeah. it was nice. Melissa paid a tribute to her friend at the end of her presentation this morning so that was oh that was nice yeah
1: Yeah. no you know it's interesting how people that you meet just make that lasting impression on you you know not everyone but there are those individuals in life that just make a lasting impression so absolutely yeah All right. Well, thank you very much, Gil. It was really nice to meet you. I'll have to have you on again. Absolutely. (laughs) And Melissa, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Dana. Thank you very much. All right.
0: Thanks.
1: Take care. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you learned a little bit more about clinical trials and what the work that Biohaven is doing. And um, we hope you also realize the importance of participating in a natural history study or being part of the registry at cords and so until next time thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again
0: thank you for listening in to the did you know podcast with your host dana morrow please subscribe to this channel to hear all of the latest podcasts we hope that this podcast has provided you with valuable information and inspires you to advocate for yourself and educate everyone in your circle remember You are the expert and best spokesperson for your rare disease. Thank you.